Have you ever thought about asking for a raise? Maybe you've hit that hottie up in the streets for a date or tried to convince your parents you could stay at your friend's place on a weeknight. Hashtag nostalgia for back in the day when I was at school. Like it or not, we are all in sales. And this week, the host of the S Word podcast shows us how to use sales as a tool for personal growth and development. Now, I'm in sales already, and this has been the the fastest growth I've ever experienced in my life because the learn to implement ratio is so, so short. And Rod really shares with us in this you know, 45 minutes what happens when you have those high levels of human interaction. He also tells us how to change the scoreboard in your mind to get what you want and how to erase negative patterns that get in the way of creating a meaningful human connection. Sales has been a great gateway for me to get the things that I want in my life and really deepen the connections and the relationships that I have with people that I care about. So I really, really recommend you listen through this this to the end because it's an absolute killer and there's plenty of gems in there. Check it out. You want to answer it. Totally. All right. So the high of the week for me was, we talked about it briefly. I was able to get in touch with a few people that I've had a dysfunctional relationship with in the past couple of years. Mm. And I really distanced myself with them, was very inauthentic when I was ever engaging with them. And I was able to have a real conversation with them and actually set things straight and get that knot finished and Mm -hmm. cut that off. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge high, like a great experience of liberation from just stuff in your past that is bogging your mind down. Um, So that was the high for sure. And then the low of the week, let's say, let's see. You know, sometimes when you start a project and you have a clear vision for it, but then you figure out at points that maybe that vision isn't the best one. Mm -hmm. So I had that with the podcast I've started, the S Word podcast, where initially I wanted it to be about breaking down the taboo around being a salesperson and kind of make the art of sales more sacred to young salespeople so that they know what they're doing isn't this manipulative act. But I've had a bit of a shift in the thinking um, and the way that I want to bring value to my audience, but I'm not exactly sure what that new vision is. So I'm in a bit of a limbo as far as what I want to do with one of my projects. Mm. And that I'd say is what's on my mind this week. That's, I guess, a low. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And where did you come up with this idea for the S word podcast? Because it's pretty unique, you know, instead of just a normal sales class podcast, it's like yeah, you know, you're breaking down the stigma that we have around sales. Yeah, um, the essential genesis of it was when I started seeing two types of salespeople when I started doing sales. The one type was the one that was maybe operating at 75 percent of their potential. Whenever I would ask him for advice, it would give me tweaks, little techniques on ways to do my sales better as I was a young amateur salesperson. And what I would notice in those is that they would be in this kind of feeding frenzy with their commission. If they sold one day, they were on a high. If they didn't sell one day, they were on a low. And they had developed this dysfunctional relationship with selling where they would be making a lot of money, but their personal lives and morale was going lower and lower and lower and lower. But then I would meet a more rare type of salesperson, at least in my my team. And this was a person that was principle driven. Every time they went out and sold or didn't sell, they had an incredible day. They had an incredible ability to manage their state 
and they were using sales as the same way someone would use learning Kung Fu, this discipline that they were training their mind and their body in, their ability to communicate in. And I realized that the people that were in the other camp, the ones that were kind of going down the gutter as far as their morale, their personal lives because of this highly emotional, emotion-driven job, they thought that that's how it had to be. Like sales, that's how it just is. You got to figure out how to manipulate the customer. You got to figure out how to beat their objection, get the sale from them as if it's like this taking, taking thing. And I didn't want to fall into that. So I started to look for people that had the opposing view that sales is a win-win situation so that other young people like me would be able to look at it the same way and maybe change their view of sales. Mm-hmm. I love that, love that. Yeah, I find <clears throat> when I first started, there was definitely a stigma around saying like, oh, I knock doors for a living. You know what I mean? Right. And like, I'd be like, oh yeah, I manage a sales team of, uh, of representatives and I manage about 12 people and like, it's like, what the fuck? I go up to people cold, I knock their door and I ask them to give me yeah, you know what I mean? And I sell them a product and bring them value. And it's like, I look at it now as like, this is the training ground for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I get like high volume of interaction and my learn to implement ratio is so tight mm-hmm. that I've, I haven't grown. Um, you know, I've done a lot of personal development. I spent a lot of money on personal development courses, mm-hmm. workshops, weekends, men's initiation, like whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's a consistent learn to implement. So the change is ongoing. Totally. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like, there's never really a bad day. Because you're on the battlefield like, with it, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so I think it's yeah, really great what you're putting out there because it's so, yeah, it's so important for people to realize that the growth is in the implementation. Yeah. And not in, you know, the knowledge and the accumulation of information. It's in the implementation for sure. That's really cool. Uh, so I, I, I forgot to say my high and a low. I just want to go back to that because I've made this like religious now. <laughs> so uh, high for the week. This is the third podcast of the day. Uh, so let's think of a different high for this week. I would say, besides the other ones, I have just gotten pretty decent, uh, a pretty decent lineup for the podcast. And now I don't, you know, I'm stacked up, so I don't have to worry about next week's episode or the week from two, two weeks from now. Yeah. It's like, cool. Next week comes, I don't have to be like, fuck, I don't have a guest. Shit, I don't have an episode to put out on Thursday. Like, it's right, the worst. Yeah. And so that's definitely the high for the week. The low for the week is uh, being unorganized when I moved out of my house and moving from Kitsilano to North Burnaby. Um, because we're moving towards North Vancouver and that's just irritating the fuck out of me. So much driving. But actually the high would be that it's snowed. That's so sick. Right? Like snow totally is just not a thing in my world. Yeah. So I'm like sick fucking snow. <laughs> like skidding around and like, yeah, it's so fun. So fun. But you're ori- not originally from here like me. We are talking with, I was talking to Joss earlier about the immigrant hustle and like you said you were from how do you pronounce it? I say Iran. Iran is perfect. Iran. Yeah, yeah. Iran, yeah. Iran, whatever. Um, Iran to the kitchen. Iran to the kitchen. That's how I Check say it. Check it from Turkey. <laughs> and then you went to Europe, and then you came here. Why did you go to Europe? You said you lived in Budapest. We were talking to a girl in the uh, in the cafe there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So essentially, my family and I we decided to leave Iran because there was this big political kerfuffle. Essentially. Let's say everyone was voting for Justin Trudeau, but 
the other guy somehow got elected and the guy cheated on the elections. So we'd applied to come to Canada, but whereas they told us it would take a year and a half, it was hitting two and a half years, almost hitting three years. And if I'd stayed longer in Iran, I would have had to go to the army because they got conscription there. So my parents decided, all right, we want to get the family out of Iran. We should have been out of here last year, but it's taking too long. So let's move to Budapest where my uncle lives until our Canadian application comes to happen. So we moved down there for about two years, went to an international school there where they call cafeteria canteen and the principal is the headmaster. That's what I call And all that color, right? <laughs> that's yeah, what I call That's the life. Yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah that's the life. Um, so for almost years, year and a half, I was in Budapest and then moved to Canada after that to start, like, finish off high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you came here and got into the sales gig. Like, was, is English obviously not your first language? Yeah. Is it? Or is no, it? it's not my first language. Okay. No. How was that coming across? Like, what was the what was the transition like? Or did you already practice English a lot when you were... Yeah, my English was good. My English was more than good when I came here. Cool. Um, I had this super sweet Texan lady back, Iran, back in Iran. She'd married, like, this Iranian guy, and they moved to Iran. Um, so my English, like, doesn't have an accent or anything like that. But I just didn't understand the West as far as the social norms for it. But the language was there. And then what's that? What, what was the missing pieces? What were the missing pieces as far as social norms? So there was a couple <clears> things. <throat> there was... Back in Iran, I was very much dependent on the fact that my dad was a dentist. And being a dentist in Iran, you know that, yeah? Being a dentist in Iran, you have a lot of status, right? So I was always the son of Dr. Mushtagi in all social situations. But what tends to happen when you leave that environment is that no one really gives a... Can I, can I swear on this? Yeah. Yeah, no one really gives a shit that you're dad, <laughs> you're the son of like Dr. Mushtagi, right? So immediately I'm put in these environments where I'm used to having the status just assumed, like whenever I go to a doctor's office in Iran, no lineup, they're like, oh, son of Dr. Mushtagi, come on in. Or like go to a cell phone shop, oh, son of Dr. Mushtagi, here you go. None of that happened. I was like, oh shit, then who am I? Right? So immediately smacked to the face, isn't it? Smacked to the face. And immediately I tried to fill that gap by chasing everyone's approval, trying to get the legit. If I was talking to you, I'd be like, okay, a white guy, he is my entry to the West. So if I get him to like me, the West likes me. Great. Right? I like that. And that was this <laughs> super dysfunctional thing that ended up happening for like a few years. Mm. Um, and then I also just didn't understand like the culture norms of just like interaction because like in iran for example your schools are gender separated so you grow up in just like a all boys school for let's say 13 years and then you're put in a mixed school it was kind of like different it sounds like dynamics. a recipe for disaster yeah like, it was. it's like <laughs> so how old are you when you go to a mixed gender school um 13. 13. 13, yeah. 13. All right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. lost my virginity at 14, so that would have been... <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> she would have been getting real up in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Okay, and then you came here, like, uh, we were talking about drugs and that sort of thing before. Yeah. And what happened? Like, were you, was it because you were seeking approval that you started looking for other, I guess, forms of validation? And gratification, or what do you think? Yeah, so essentially my 
my interest in drugs and alcohol came out of wanting to feel like I'm still the shit in this new environment. Mm. So whereas the status was giving me that I'm the shit in my previous environment in Iran, I found out that if I just drink four shots before I go to a party, then I'll kind of have that going in. Or if I do this other thing, I'll have that going in. So it wasn't very much like a drug issue. It was still that approval issue mm. that I was trying to get with the drug use and the alcohol use from it. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And so what did the what did sales do for you in that regard? So I started sales in the first summer after I did, after um, university. Um I knew that like people like Mark Cuban and Door to Door and like the founder of Patron Vodka done Door to Door and I was interested in business. So I was like, I like to do Door to Door, but didn't know how that would actually affect my brain having to do Door to Door. A couple of things you get because you obviously have done it yourself too is you're not just dealing with your buddies and people that look like you and talk like you and smell like you and act like you anymore. I mean, I manage North Van, so it's pretty good for me. It is. (laughs) (laughs) But like you're dealing with, you know, the couple, Mm -hmm. the 50-year-old rich couple, the 65-year-old lady that can't pay rent, Mm -hmm. the guy that talks about golf all day and you're like trying to sell him something, he was like, yeah, this golf thing. I'm like, what? (laughs) What is this golf thing, right? (laughs) Um, so that was an incredible opportunity to be able to interact with all these different people. And for once, my goal wasn't to get approval from them, it was figuring out what they value and mm. being able to communicate to the way that it makes sense for them. Mm. That was one thing. And then the other thing is when you do door-to-door sales, you got to be on point. Like you can't, like if, if all I'm doing, if all I'm using my muscles for during the day with my arms is to just pick up this glass of water and drink it, you know, I can afford to eat Cheetos and like not go to the gym and all this and that and the other thing. But doing sales is like your brain muscles have to be on point. On, on you have to point. be on point, man. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to notice the lack of sleep, the difference that will make an interaction. You're like, damn, usually I'd be like able to respond like that. Yeah. And that for me is like huge, just awareness about how much the little things change my results. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Whereas if we don't have that feedback, it's just like, whoa, I could go through my life and never have that have that feedback about how in tune or out of tune my body is dependent on you know the inputs that I'm putting in it. Yeah, or like that mm. learn to implementation feedback that you talked about. Mm. Like it has to be there. Like even if you take a sick day when you're doing door to door or any type of sales, you just miss one day that's out of your schedule. You gotta, you're operating at a disadvantage. Oh, man, I missed a week, like three weeks ago, because I was that sick. I was fuck, I just retarded when I got back. I just like bombed, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, do I even know how to sell? Like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. They're like, hey y'all, you want my product? <laughs> Not nah, damn. Damn, I'm I'm shit now. I'm like, crying in my sleep. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I want you to continue that train of thought you were going down with. You were saying you have to be on point and it sounds like what you're saying is that door-to-door gave you a great feedback loop that allowed you to cut out the things that you were getting the validation from. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Like door-to-door, the amount of commissions I was getting, I started looking at it as a scoreboard. Let's say when you're an athlete and you're playing, playing soccer or I guess football is the thing here, that's the scoreboard. And what the athlete is doing 
determines the scoreboard, mm. right? That's pretty obvious. But I figured out that, okay, if I take care of my energy, if I take care of my health, if I take care of the way I, if I do meditation in the morning, all these different things, if I start my day being genuine to my coworkers, coworkers and trying to add value to them at breakfast, then I can actually sell better. And that was a huge catalyst for me to start getting rid of all these dysfunctional things that I had in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit goal-driven. It was for the commission that I started to figure out, okay, I guess I gotta like take care of this shit because I wanna sell. I don't wanna just like spend a week not getting paid because it's a commission-only job. Um, but then it was like a cool feedback though. I was like, okay, this actually feels good. It feels good, I get more money. I get more money, it feels good. It feels good, I get more money. And that's kind of how it started to shift and get rid of like, you know, drinking too much or I'm really curious, like how do you, how did it affect your, you know, if you could give a tangible example, that put one on my mind, that it actually affected the way that you operate in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll share my example just to give you like maybe a bit of a reference point. For me, it freed up mental space, like RAM in my brain. So that when I was having conversations in my relationships, mm-hmm. it's like I was able to pay attention. It's like I knew more of what was happening through in social circumstances. Yeah. Most people have like two, they meet two different people. They speak to two different people a month. Totally. It's fucked up, dude. You know what I mean? And so like for me, it was like I was getting a new, I guess, yeah, more space. And so when I was having a conversation, I was able to notice other things that were going on and I was able to place my thoughts where I wanted my words to go. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I'd I be totally like, this is the that, point yeah. I'm trying to make. And then I'm at the point. Yeah, you have that like crystal clear, like Mm. ability to be in social interactions. Mm. And then you can actually make an impact in that environment instead of just reacting to the environment. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So is there anything else for you that that gave you? Because that's a real clear one for me, regardless of whether it was in a sales situation or just a conversation with a friend. Yeah, for me, for me, it was uh, as like interesting as this sounds. It was like feeling safe in general in different environments. And Mm. I don't mean physical threats. Mm -hmm. But whereas normally if I were to enter into a bar, I would still be under this like illusion of like, oh, damn, I'm in a public space, social space filled with all these people from the West. (laughs) This thing is crazy. It's crazy, right? And being in that being in that state, you're like, okay, how do I act here? How do I act here? How do I act here? That it's okay. How do I act here? That it's okay. But because in sales, you're just like getting repetitive. <clears throat> repetitively exposed to all these different people, two things start to happen. A, you realize you're not in danger, right? Like they're just people. Wild <laughs> uh, concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wild concept. And the second thing was I developed empathy with those people because mm. any good salesperson knows if you don't understand the person you're talking to, then it's like you go to the doctor, like let's say you go to your dentist and you're like, Hey man, um, I got this problem with my tooth. He's like, yeah, take this medicine. And you're like, but you don't know what the problem is. He's like, no, no, just take this medicine. You'll, you'll be good. It'll be cool. And you're like, cool. dude, like what? So that was the second thing. Not only was I able to see that they're okay and safe, but figure out how to develop empathy with them and take them away from having this like almost threatening, threatening position in my life. So the tangible result of that is 
when I came back, for example, and I went to, when I came back from my summer and I went to this huge music festival, Shambhala, um, that happens in Nelson, BC. Giant shit show. Like, this is festival on steroids, doing hula hoops on a daily basis. <laughs> like, incredibly amazing, but also very intense environment. I was able to be in that environment when and is it? not have to go crazy. When is it? End of August. We should go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the <laughs> Could you imagine it? Like, we'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> okay, so for someone that's um, just started and you know in a sales endeavor, like actually let's 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 back it up a little bit. Like, what do you think people's perception of sales is, and what would you like it to be? I think sales generally speaking is unwanted in a person's life and this isn't anything that i've made up this is a very well established phenomenon is that you know everyone says people like to buy they don't like to be sold to and the reason that i've noticed is that everyone thinks that they're all right everything is handled or at least our default way of presenting ourselves ourselves to the world is i got everything handled like you ask a guy on the street hey man how you doing he could have a wife that just cheated on him and like kids left him and all that, but I'm fine, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the job of a good salesperson can actually be to identify the places where it's not handled and actually provide both the solution, but also the emotional fuel to take action. So that's what a role of a good salesperson can be for society. Like every one of us has things in our life that we should be taking care of. Everyone knows not to smoke. Everyone knows not to do drugs. Everyone knows they have to work out, blah, blah, blah. But a good salesperson can come through, identify it, isolate that problem, and then provide the solution plus that emotional energy to take action on it, which you wouldn't have taken action otherwise, right? So that is a very positive impact that sales can have in the lives of people. How would I want the perception of people of sale of salespeople to be? That's a difficult question because there is not necessarily salespeople, just sales in general, or sales selling. in general, sales or selling. The way I'd want it to be, and the way I am spreading a message for it to be, is a catalyst for positive change for the outside world and a way to develop your character for the person that's selling it. Because mm-hmm. every day you're trying to figure out what you value, let me add value. What do you value, let me add value. What do you value, let me add value. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that Grant talks about is giving too much information. And it's like when you're selling and you're in the sales process, like telling people too much is why they won't buy. Yeah. And it's like, it, so if you just go up and start talking, like instead of being like, okay, what what's valuable to you? How do I add value? You just start telling them random shit. Yeah, And it's up. like, <laughs> so I'm just going to become disinterested and walk away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like, it's for me, it's, it's learning how do human beings operate? How do we want to be treated and treating them accordingly? Yeah. It just seems like such a, a very clear path for my brain to take. Yeah. And it, it surprises me how difficult it is for a lot of people to, um, I guess, wrap their heads around or not have a negative perception stigma around it and another thing is that I, I i love this from the same guy grant cardone is everything that you want 
strangers have. Yes, it's the best. Right? Man. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like, what does that mean for you when you hear that? Me personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious uh, your thoughts on it. Yeah, I just think, like, it's it's totally right. Everything I want, like, is going to come from somebody I don't know. Yeah. And so it makes it really easy once I hear that to go out and ask a stranger for something, like, in yeah. the street. And just be like, like, I've gotten uh, podcast guests from knocking doors. Like, I've been chasing this, I think I mentioned this guy, Dave, who I've been chasing. I chased for like a month and a half, two months for him to mentor me. And it's like, I met that guy knocking on his door. I knocked on this guy's <laughs> door. I started talking to him. I was like, damn, this, this guy's switched on. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. and I was like, wow, I've got this podcast, blah, blah, blah. He's like, really interesting. You know? And I just, and I hunted him. And I was like, okay, this guy's got something I want. And unless I'd went and gone and knocked on his door and started talking to him, like none of that would have happened. But at one point in my life, he was a complete stranger. Totally. At one point in my life, you were a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's very easy to get caught up. And I was sharing this story about how, uh, I love this. So, so money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. this with a, a, a rep of mine last night when we were sharing dinner and I was in Whole Foods and I just started asking random people in Whole Foods and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, I was just like, Hey, money is the root of all. And people are like, evil? What the fuck? Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and the rep's like, what the fuck is he doing? And like, all those people were strangers and they all had something that I wanted. And even though it was that small thing, it like gives me the confidence to be like, oh, it's just a human being. It's just a stranger. Straight up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Buddy so. of mine, um, same, same conference that we're talking about, 10X Growth Conference in Miami. So we were all in the same hostel, technically, but he arrives a day later, goes to the hostel reception. He's like, hey, I'm here for my room. And they're like, awesome, we see your name, but it's not for another two days. So you don't have a room with us. He was like, oh, crap. So goes to the, uh, goes to the conference day two. At the end of the night, he goes out to the residential area, knocks on people's doors. And he's like, hey, my name is James. I'm like at this uh, conference and I booked a hostel, but it's not available for another two days. Can I grab your couch? I'll pay for your couch. He did that for like three doors. He got an old lady to let him in. <laughs> Didn't even ask for money, by the way. Like the old lady just came in, came in food in the morning. Love like, that. Perfect. Right? Love that. What a fucking legend. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. Yeah, I love um, like, and just assumptive ownership, I think is a phenomenal thing that comes from this. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to wait in line. Why the fuck should I wait in line? And just going to the front of the line and just asking to be let in. Yeah, straight and up. Being let in, you know what I mean? It's just like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to wait in line with the rest of the plebs. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like sneaking into the Richmond night markets or whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? And so I just yeah. like, it's not like I'm like, okay, go now, go now. It's just so you just like, there's a gap in the fence. I walk through the fence. There you go. Like, it's some, something simple like that. I'm not encouraging breaking the law, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like assumptive ownership and then you really like, What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Asking for the upgrade for the room. Like asking for, you know, like they've, they've botched my, they've had, I've had a different dental assistant every single time because mm-hmm. they've had a bad run and they're doing renovations and shit. She's like, oh my God, Josh, I'm so sorry. And I have to go back and I'm 100% going to be asking for some free shit on my last, like on my <laughs> last appointment. Like no doubt. I'm just going to be like, I've already thought about what I'm going to say and I'm going to be like, you know, we're good. We got a good relationship and I'm just going to ask for some free shit. And it's like, what's the worst that can happen? She's like, Josh, you're ridiculous. I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, 
why not yeah having that goofy vibe too just like yeah i'm like wow it seems like you guys have really been under the pump the last few months and you're like yeah yeah I'm like, okay well look like i've been really patient with this and like would it be completely ridiculous for me to have you know a free appointment or something like that yeah <laughs> and like i love the no questions from i don't know if you read uh the yeah uh never split the difference by chris voss yeah, yeah. fucking unreal oh, real dude unreal so the, the concept is you ask people would rather say no than yes and no makes someone feel like they're in control and so if you say would it be completely ridiculous for me to have a room upgrade would it be completely ridiculous for you to jump for us to catch up in person and you come onto the podcast like, like no, that's how I get great really resp- I get great response rates because I always ask that question in the email <laughs> and they're always like nah man that's cool like <laughs> <laughs> It works a charm. It works a charm. I love it. And like the crazy thing is like by re- reading that book, it really reinforced that that is how we want to be treated as human beings. We want to feel like we're in control and we want to have a win-win. Yeah. You know? So. Are you applying that a lot like straight up negotiation books and sales? Because I didn't do that. I'm curious to know how that would affect Only yourself. Christmas. I, I, I eliminated so much other education and I just went all in on Grant Cardone. I doubled my income in six weeks yeah. and I implemented Chris Voss that's it that's a split the difference guy yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and i think those two in hand in hand and just like there's some little things that chris does that are more about like human psychology right that grant doesn't really cover you know because that's just not his domain yeah i think he has that understanding but he doesn't sell that Mm -hmm. you know and so i think that uh like chris's concepts are very easy to understand Mm -hmm. they take some time like it's i'm going through the book for a second time and a third time you know and I'm like still getting more out of it and still getting a better understanding but I would say eliminating a lot of knowledge has helped I've gotten better by eliminating knowledge and eliminating information rather than having an influx of info I've gone through that phase where I'm like self-help is amazing Mm. read everything and then you're just like paralyzed you can't do anything totally (laughs) <laughs> so let, let's talk about that like let's talk about with the um, piece we were talking about earlier how you said you know conversation you've been having with your friends is like okay there's a law of attraction but then there's also shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and get shit done yeah like what what conversations have you been having around that and how has it been implemented in your life and showing up in your life yeah so I either either about a, two months ago um I had a meeting with my mentor. He was like, come over to my place. We're going to do a study session. I was like, awesome. Let's do it. Like, I've never spent like seven, eight hours with this guy. I was like, awesome. Right. And we started watching the movie, The Secret. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, come on. Like, it's really like we're watching The Secret. Like, actually, brother, but I didn't say that to him. I was like, okay, let's do it. I kept an open mind to it. So The Secret, the movie, The Secret, for anyone that isn't familiar with it, is all about the law of attraction. And what that is based on is saying if you project out into the world what you want from it and feel as if you already have it, you will attract it to you. That's my interpretation of it. Now, in the movie, they bring examples of people that have cured cancer. They're able to beat depression. They're able to get their job, get the girl they want, all these different examples. And supposedly they're all real too. So they're done case studies and all these very successful people come on and they say, okay, this was my house now. And this is my vision board like 10 years ago. And I got the exact same house, all this kind of stuff. Right. 
Now, the way I applied that to my life was, all right, it recently felt like I'm trying to get from A to B, but I've made it this uphill battle where everything is very, very tough because my mindset is the default is going to be going to the gutter. But what if the default was not going to the gutter, but going to that place like that was quote unquote coming to me anyways. Mm. So implementing that mindset helped me take action easier. I was like, oh, awesome. Like, you know, that job is already coming. That connection is already coming. Let me go with, go in it with ease. The same way, like, for example, we were talking about assuming, what was the term used for it? Assuming ownership, assuming the sale, assuming the sale, for example, that's when in a sale, you're like, okay, the sale is happening, right? Let me just go in with that ease. Mm. You get the same thing when you sell, I don't know. What, a, what is a high number for your business? But let's say more than three in a day was a high number for Vivint when I worked. By the fourth person, like, you know you're selling them. Like, the dude is saying no. You're like, you're buying, bro. Like, in your mind, he's buying. And he, bu- he does buy because you just have that full-on confidence for it. So the law of attraction was a way for me to assume the sale, as it were, but in the endeavors that I was taking on. Um... But then what also started to happen for me was laziness came out of that. And it was like, oh, cool. Like, that's going to happen anyways, right? That job opportunity is going to happen anyways, right? Let me just sit on my ass and manifest it, mm. right? And you know how that turns out. It, <laughs> right? it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't turn out, right? Um, but then after getting into that and seeing how that ineffective that is, I went back to the, okay, I'm going to hustle my ass off. Like, screw the whole law of attraction thing. I'm just going to make it work. Um, but recently, in my conversations with friends, I've been trying to figure out a way to use both. Like, make it a downhill road instead of uphill road for yourself, but then blast through that road and go down. And that's how, uh, that's where I'm at currently with those two, those two trains of thoughts. Okay, so how is that showing up in what are the results you're getting in your life? It feels like finally the gas is on. It's going at 100 miles an hour and the brakes off. Mm. Um, yeah, that's where I'd say it. Yeah. And so, what are some of these negative patterns that you've had to arise that you were talking about earlier? Door-to-door actually brought up a bunch of them. So one of the negative patterns that I was talking to you about earlier is I had this tendency always to be very motivated where I was when I was at ground zero. And then I was motivated out of desperation or not wanting to be at ground zero to move up to like, let's say 65, 70% of what I was capable of. But then whenever I would get to that percentage of like 60, 75% of what I'm capable of, I would relax and let it drop down to zero again. And I figured out that, okay, for a while I was just being motivated by being terrible at something and not wanting to be terrible at that thing. And that started showing up when I started doing door-to-door sales. So a clear-cut example of this, I would, I didn't sell anything for the first month. And then after the first month, I had this kind of hockey stick uh, trend to my sales where I just crushed it the week after. And suddenly I wasn't terrible anymore. I was all, like I was I was on top of my game. So I started to obviously slow down in the way I was practicing my pitch, the way I was 
role playing with my coworkers, and I didn't work hard again. And then it dropped down the week after, dropped down the week after, dropped down the week after. And then when I start seeing, oh shit, I'm I'm out of sales again, then I start to pick it up again, and then I start to go go after it again. So that was one of the biggest patterns that I realized during door to door sales, and that was something that I had to get rid of because obviously I didn't want to just go from being mediocre to shit to mediocre to shit to mediocre to shit. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And so, like, what do you think is one of the best things you've taken from it that has carried over into your regular life? The biggest things I, the, one of the biggest things I took to my regular life was... Let's rephrase that question. Why the fuck would someone go and do door to door? Totally, yeah. Voluntarily. I'd say to figure out where you're lying to yourself as far as what you think your potential is. That was the biggest things I took from door to door sales is because when I went there, I thought of myself as the type of person that if given the opportunity, I'm going to go a thousand percent and just maximize production, maximize the results that I want to get. But I realized that my default is mediocre. And that sounds like no one wants to admit that, but my default was middle class. My default was 55, 60%. My default was Rod just isn't terrible. And when I noticed the patterns in myself, like one of my biggest patterns was I'm a big meditator. So I love meditation in the morning. I would realize that whenever I would be having like a really good day and I'd be like crushing it at doors, I'd be like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if I continued the rest of the day with like a quick meditation session in the middle? Oh, awesome. Let me just go find a park bench and like sit there and meditate for 20 minutes before I finish off the rest of the doors. And you know, in your head, it makes sense. Like, yeah, awesome. You want to be more present for the rest of the customers you're going to be talking with. You know, you want to bring them that good mood. You want to quote unquote add value to them. But what would happen is you make that 10 minute walk, find a park bench, sit there for 20 minutes, 10 minute walk back to your area. And that's because subconsciously I didn't want to be crushing it more than I thought was what I was allowed to crush it at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and, and then that gives you the opportunity to examine why that is and work on it from there. But I wouldn't have gotten that had I not been in such a, um, such an environment where your mindset has such a direct correlation with your results. You get what I'm saying with that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah. relate for sure. Yeah. So, to you know, go back to the question, why the fuck would someone go and volunteer and do that at all? What am I going to get out of it? Like, what am I going to get out of it? Totally. So I guess in your day-to-day life, if you're not doing door-to-door sales, you're dealing with your friends, your classmates, everyone that you have some sort of relationship with, correct? Mm. Like you have some pattern that you run with your mom, you have some pattern that you run with your friends you know you might be the douchebag of your friend group or the funny guy of your friend group or all these different characteristics that you have and that's your default right like you know if you take a pen and you make a circle on a paper and you do that like five times it's kind of it's made a ridge so you don't really have to work hard it just goes in that circle again and again and again and again well when you're out there doing door-to-door sales like that that's not gonna fly you are completely out of your normal social dynamics. And what that does is it gets rid of all the autopilot responses that you have developed as 
a way to be safe in the world, as a way to get along with people in the world. Mm. And you now have to act in a way that is not typically you, right? So what that does, and, and then add to that, you have to get a result from those social interactions, right? You're not just talking to people and high-fiving them. You need to be able to provide value to those people in order to get a result for yourself and add value to them. So that forces you to, I guess the best way to say it is, is it forces you to flex your social muscle and also examine examine the type of person you are to different types of people. Weird flex, but okay. Hmm? I said weird flex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I really like that. I think that the the circle analogy is, um, or metaphor is just so right. Yeah. And then you have to get a result. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, crazy. It's so results-based. And I think that it really gets rid of this fucking, like, trap that we're that our age group is in of getting, like, a, like, a ribbon for Participation trophy, it's, right? Yeah, yeah, man. You can't go out and sail yeah. the sales world and get a participation pr- trophy, like... Especially, I don't know, like we were 100% commission. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't go out and get, then get paid, you don't get paid. Like, Straight up. You know yeah, what I mean? Honestly, and it really yeah. like, and that in itself really like has retrained me on work ethic and instant gratification and things like that. I think like, I think it's a real epidemic. Like it fucks with us a lot in our age group, you know, with social media and stuff like that. Like not against it. Love Instagram. Like I think it's fantastic. Like I use it every single fucking day it's definitely fucked up a lot of our society. You know what I mean? With that, that are, that are not in touch with themselves and are in touch with the real world. You know, and then I think the, yeah, that immigrant hustle is so real, man. So real. And then another thing with the door to door sales thing too is being able to still be yourself when you're asking for something from people. Hmm. Cause I don't know if you have it in your team, but a lot of people when they're finally like, all right, I'm gonna do this. Uh, screw it i'm like fine i'll go do it then they're they think that they're out to steal from people so they're inherently doing this bad thing because i'm sitting in front of you and i'm asking you to pay 70 bucks a month 60 bucks a month whatever it is for the next two years and i'm actually asking you to do that 110 let's roll you know (laughs) that's what i'm saying right dude the first time i was sitting in front of a customer my very first sale my legs were shaking i couldn't speak properly i was like yeah, so um, sign here. <laughs> and the guy was freaking out too because it was like, well, are you trying to steal? Like, but it was a perfect product for the guy. It was completely qualified prospect. But I was just that uncomfortable because I thought I was doing a bad thing to the dude. Because I thought, who am I to ask this dude to pay 70 bucks a month for the next five years? Mm, that's just for internet. You know? <laughs> What did you say? I said, and that's just for internet. That's just for internet. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, seven bucks a month for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy how that, I think what you said is just so key is it exposes all the places that you're lying to yourself. Yeah. And, you, you know, and it's like, that. do I operate, do I run around with this operating system all the time? Of like, you know, I, I feel like asking people for things is stealing from them. And yeah. I think that, you know, like I'm not deserving of being able to ask 
And I love that like, well, I love and hate that like the reason most salespeople don't close deals is because they don't fucking ask. Yeah. They literally don't. The number one thing is that people just don't ask for the sale. They don't ask for the close. They're not like, hey, so can I do this for you? That's my number one closing line. I'm like, yeah, cool. It's awesome, Rod. So, you know, all this makes sense. You're going to get this, this, and this. Um, Obviously, I'd love to be the person that can serve you. Would you allow me to do this for you? Incredible. I love that. That's all I say, you know? And it's not even my line. I got this off a NAS, you know, who's like a demon. Um, But it's just like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's just like, you literally just, you don't need some magical thing. It's just like, you're like, hey man, can we do this? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy. Uh, So... Yeah, wicked, wicked. So what's the deal with your podcast? If it's, you know, taking a bit of a different direction, is that what you were mentioning earlier? Where, where is that? Where's it at? Yeah, so right now I'm I'm seeing where I want to take it, but I want to provide young people that are in sales access to other young people in sales that are doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Grant Cardone is crushing it, correct? Yeah, like he is crushing. Like he's double drink him in six weeks. Yes, yeah, absolute that's, that's, that's legend. Yeah, absolute legend, right? But being able to, for example, hear your experience in sales as a twenty-five-year-old dude instead of a sixty-one-year-old dude is going to make a massive difference to me when I was nineteen. Because mm-hmm. in my team in Vivint. I had one guy, my roommate, that was doing it right. This guy was an absolute beast. But he was just like, you know, quote unquote, being himself on the doors. He was being himself on the doors. He wasn't acting anything. He was, can I serve you? But just owning that. And the guy was like, yes. <laughs> You're like, holy shit. Magic. <laughs> like magic, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, but finding those key people, young people, but in different fields. So whether that is high ticket closing for Dan Lock, or that is doing door-to-door sales, or whether that is doing lawn mowing, you know, with those long mowing companies that do door-to-door or cold calling or affiliate marketing people, whatever that is, finding those key people that are doing it right, young, and then sharing that with the audience so that they can see, okay, this can be a role model that I can go after in the way that he thinks as a 20 year old, as a 25 year old. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Cool. And so who would I, what problem am I wanting to solve if I'm looking for your podcast? Mindsets. Mindset is where it's located. Okay. Yeah. So. And where is it at? Where do I find the pod? The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google play and Spotify. It's the S word personal growth through sales. So if you search a V S word, three separate words, it'll pop up and you can give it a lesson right on there. Boom. Easy to find. I love yeah. that. And do you have a website? Or we just Don't have a website yet. Just just Instagram the oh, S word. We can have a conversation about that at the end. <laughs> been through some trials and tribulations with that and found a gem. Yeah. A gem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Wix, by the way, if you're listening and you right, yeah. like stupid. Stupid easy looks professional and it's like 14 bucks a month wix has really stepped it up like about six years ago i tried it bonker service but recently they <laughs> crushing it like basically crushing squarespace yeah yeah, yeah yeah amazing all right beautiful let's wrap it up there man all right that awesome, was sick man. that was really thank you once again for listening to an episode of the live more regret less podcast 
If you feel like reaching out and getting in touch, the easiest way to do so is to hit me up on Instagram. You can slide into the old DMs there or at the Josh Dittmer and or you can go to joshdittmer.com and swing the team an email. We'd love to get some feedback about some guests that you'd like to have on, some topics you'd like to cover. We've really gone through the ringer here and we're getting quite specific about leadership and you know brotherhood and the people around you and the community you have. If there's anything extra you'd like to hear, like I said, just hit us up at the Josh Dittmer or just head to joshdittmer.com and you can email team at joshdittmer.com.